Issues Etc. is listener-supported. We rely on you for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Now, if you appreciate Issues Etc., please consider making a tax-deductible gift today. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. You can also donate by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc., Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. And thanks for your support. Planned Parenthood agreed that the words on the video were the actual words of the Planned Parenthood personnel. They agreed to that statement. You remember, remember in public they've been saying, oh, deceptively edited. When push came to shove in court where you need evidence, they meekly conceded that, yes, we said all those words. If you want a divorce for any reason or no reason, you will always get what you want. You will always get divorced. And you can't think of any other civil dispute where you walk into court and you know in advance which side is going to win. Many pastors who get in trouble have not been able to get the visitation thing going. And it's so vital. It's so parallel to what our Lord did, what St. Paul did, what pastors in the New Testament do. Wisconsin turkey producers love issues, etc. It is such a common phrase, daily bread. It's made its way out of the Lord's Prayer and out of Holy Scripture into our common parlance, but it's rooted there in Christ's own prayer, the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. What are we asking for there? And it should perhaps astonish us that we are asking God to give all of this. It's the 16th century reformers' insight that he does all this even without our prayer. And when he gives all these things to us far more than bread, it's out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy. And we thank him for it. What's the difference between, say, a group of Christians gathering to thank God for their daily bread on a day like Thanksgiving and a group of non-Christians who are thankful, but not to anyone in particular. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Wednesday afternoon, November the 27th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll kick off today's show talking with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller about the Lord's Prayer petition, Give Us This Day, Our Daily Bread. Then we'll look forward to the first Sunday in Advent according to the three-year lectionary with Dr. Carl Fikencher of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. He's co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio, and he's author of the new book, A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World. Brian, welcome back. Thank you, Todd. So we live in a country where even the poorest are affluent by global standards. There's an abundance of what we Lutherans refer to as first article gifts, those things that Luther lists as the gifts that God gives to all through creation. And we are also disconnected, at least in the 21st century, from where all this comes from. We just go to the store and buy it. We don't see where it comes from. Has it bred in us, this kind of affluence and abundance, bred in us not only a lack of appreciation, but maybe even a callousness toward the need for daily bread and God's provision? I think so. I I wouldn't want to... I wouldn't want to accuse people of that particular sin, you know, apart from knowing them. But I think that probably each of us would do well to consider the state of our own conscience and our own our own heart when it comes to to the gifts and support for this body and life. 
to recognize that the Lord is the one who provides all of these things in abundance. And and I think what what's happened, and I don't know why, it could be a number of those things that you've mentioned that were disconnected from from the farm. You know, we don't we don't see the planting and the growing and the harvesting or or the the birthing and the butchering. We we just this kind of the meat shows up pre-sliced for us at the grocery store or for me it shows up pre-cooked on the plate at dinner time i don't even know about the grocery store anymore but this is you know so we're we're disconnected for that that could be one of the causes we have a great abundance that could be another cause but but at the root of it there's a spiritual temptation that faces all of us which is to 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 forget that the lord is the one who provides all these things we've been i i find in my own life as i sort of as I think about how I think of things and how I engage in this world, I realize how atheistic or evolutionistic, I don't think that's a word, but my own thinking is. So when I think of the, of the bread and the farm, I think of everything I learned in biology and I forget everything I learned about in the Psalms. When I think of the cows or the food or the provision, I, I hear all the things that I learned about in my economics class, and I forget everything that the Lord taught in his parables. So that we tend to, we, we live like materialists, and, and, and in both ways. I mean, there's the kind of gross materialism, the he who dies with the most toys wins kind of idea. We, we are that. But also the more precise materialism, which is that we reduce everything in this world down to matter. We, we think that everything is a is an effect of some particular cause, and we forget that the Lord is the one who causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. The Lord is the one who who causes the grain to grow in the field. The Lord is the one who gives harvest or hands us over to famine. In fact, it's in Christ that all things hold together, Colossians tells us. The entire universe holds together. And if there were one moment where the Lord would neglect this duty of being the creator and sustaining the creation, everything would come to nothing. And we, and we forget that. So we think that we're at the, at the end of a series of natural consequences rather than being at the end of the Lord's goodness and gifts and provision. You made reference there to Christ's words near the end of Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, where he's admonishing his disciples to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And then he says, for he makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. How do we Christians understand that God gives daily bread even to those who do not ask him for it or are thankful for it? Yeah, the the Lord is pleased in his mercy to sustain the life of the unbeliever is one of the causes that we praise him and we and we thank him that he has arranged and continues to arrange things so that even his friends and his enemies can can taste his goodness and be provided for in this life is another cause of his wonder and another cause that the church cries out and, and prays to him. Now we want to know that the Lord does this and we want to be thankful for it, but we recognize that that the reason why all these things are happening even to the unbeliever, is precisely because Jesus died. This took me a long time to get a hold of. Dr. Frakencher, my old uh, preaching professor at the seminary, used to, he used to talk about this a lot. He would say, the reason why the sun comes up in the morning is because Jesus died. The reason why God sustains creation is because Jesus died. The reason why the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, the reason why the plants grow, the reason why there's a lemon tree in my backyard is because Jesus died on the cross. 
And this took me a while to, to get, but I, but I think it's right because of what St. Paul says in Romans chapter 8, where he says, Do you not know that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also together with him also give us all things? Which means at least this, that apart from Jesus, turning away the wrath of God from all of humanity, there would be nothing for us, for you and me, every day except for God's utter anger, utter wrath, and utter destruction. So that all of these good gifts, all, all of the general benevolence of God is a result of the very specific benevolence of the death of Jesus. That's, that's where it's won for us. And we see then the general goodness of God pointing to Christ, and, and it saddens us that the world doesn't recognize the Lord's goodness, but we also rejoice that we can see that the Lord provides for the unbeliever and for the believer alike. And maybe one more thing, it recognizes that if the Lord is willing to treat his enemies with this kindness, then we also ought to treat them with that same kindness, that we can recognize that God is good to that person and we can be good to them as well and recognize then that we're not authorized to, to hate or despise our neighbor no matter what. Attendant with that is that while he does these the primary cause of all this mercy that he sheds abroad is Christ's sacrifice for the world at the cross. He also, on a daily basis, does these things, sustains the world, even the unbelieving world, for the sake of his church. He feeds the church and everyone else gets to participate in the, in the feast, so to speak. That's exactly right. So, so Paul says this, it's at the end of Ephesians where he's talking about how Christ is the head over all things for the sake of his church. The end of Ephesians chapter 2, I, the verse is so good, I'd, I'd like to read it, I'm flipping over there. But that Jesus is, oh, sorry, into chapter 1, right before chapter 2, it says that Christ, when he raised him from the dead, I started in verse 20, he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So that the Lord Jesus is ruling and reigning over all things, not just spiritual things, but physical things, the whole world. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And he's doing all of these things for the sake of the church. So that nature continues to sustain our life that we still have turkeys to eat and stuffing to stuff ourselves with and so forth is, is because Jesus is ruling and reigning and he's doing all that for the benefit of his believers, for the benefit of the church. And so this is the, the picture that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount. You, you are the salt of the world so that, so that salt, especially you know in the ancient world, you would put the salt over the meat and it would preserve it so that the Lord Jesus has, has salted the world and the reason why the whole world doesn't go to rot is because he's put his Christians and spread us out around the world, and he continues to preserve the world for, uh, for our sake uh, and through us and, and also through our prayers. I mean, it's important to remember that the church cries out for daily bread every day, and the Lord is answering that prayer so that we have this great abundance that is, continues to provide for us as a result of the church's prayer. Not, I mean, it's not, we, we don't want to just point to scientific innovation as the causes of these things or even natural biology as the cause of, of all of these fruits. We, we look at the church's prayer as the cause of the Lord's mercy, not only for our families, but for our neighbors as well. I think Luther even says that at some point in the large catechism, when he talks about if God were to withdraw, in essence, the answer 
to these prayers that we find all together in the in the Lord's Prayer, then we wouldn't have you know, food in the bowl. We wouldn't have you know a piece of straw in the in the barn, because the devil's will is also at work in this formula, isn't it? He's got a couple of great quotes here. I happen to have it open in front of me. Uh, here's one. Luther says, All this it's well to impress upon the simple, namely that these things come from God and must be prayed for by us. So that all the things we're praying for, body and soul, I mean, all the things that we need for the body are prayed for. And then he goes on to, to warn. He says, In short, the devil is sorry that anyone has a morsel of bread from God and eats it in peace. And if it were not in his power and our prayer next to God did not prevent him, we would not keep a straw in the field, a farthing in the house, not even our lives for an hour, especially those who have the word of God and would like to be Christians. So that the devil is such a, a raging enemy towards the people of God that he would take everything from us, not only our faith and the word of God, but also our life and our peace and uh, the, the, the cracker that we're eating for, for a snack. He, the devil would, wouldn't let us have any of it so that our prayers go and the Lord hears our prayers and answers them and prevents all these things. And this is a challenge for me, Todd. I think it's probably a challenge for most Christians to to embrace this because, because when we see all of these causes and effects, all these natural causes and effects around us, we get kind of sucked into that. And we forget that the spiritual cause and effect is the Lord hearing and answering our prayers. And that's the chief cause and effect that's driving the world. I mean, it's the it's the cause that affected, for example, the Exodus. The Lord says, I heard your prayers and I came to answer them. So the Lord is always... Almost everything he does to redeem us is an answer to prayer. And so we, we want to remember that this is the, the chief cause to everything that we see is the Lord, in fact, answering the prayers that he teaches us to pray. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer petition, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. On the other side of the break, when we say give us, are we praying then not only for us Christians, but also for the whole world? We'll find out. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we'll study John the Baptist's swan song, Jesus and the Samaritan Woman, the true worship of God, the Samaritans believe in Jesus, and Jesus heals the official son. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, as we continue our walk through St. John's Gospel on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily verse-by-verse Bible study on demand at thewordendures.org, thewordendures.org. Why do the Lutheran Confessions quote the ancient church fathers? Find out in Pastor Will Whedon's column, Why We Bother with the Fathers, in the latest Issues Etc. journal. We'll send it to you for free. Just click the red journal subscription button in the right-hand column at issuesetc.org. In the Wittenberg Trail feature, Professor Adam Kuntz details his journey from the Book of Common Prayer to the Book of Concord. The free online Issues Etc. journal, issuesetc.org. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. If only we could see and hear what takes place in the divine service. The holy God's voice pours out eternal gifts. Sinners are washed in cleansing water that saves them from death. The Son of God gives his body and blood for us, the food of immortality. The church on earth blends her voice with angels and saints in glory to praise our God. These wondrous mysteries take place at Our Savior Lutheran Church in Stevensville, Montana, 184 Pine Hollow Road. 
Call 406-777-5625 or find us on Facebook. Listen to the best of the church's music for the Advent season at lutheranpublicradio.org. Sacred music for the Advent season. Lutheranpublicradio.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're studying the Lord's Prayer petition, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread, with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Deaf Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas, co-host of the weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio, and author of the new book, A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World. You can find out more about this new book from Pastor Wolf Miller right there at our website, issuesetc.org. Click the Talk On Demand archives, or you can call Concordia Publishing House any weekday during regular business hours and ask for A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World by Pastor Brian Wolf Miller, 1-800-325-3040. Brian, I take it from what you were saying before the break that then when we are praying, give us, with that plural pronoun, we are not only asking God to give us Christians daily bread, but in fact, the whole world. Yes, I think so. We want, and now it's a kind of radiating outward thing. So when we pray, give us this day our daily bread, the first us that we're concerned with is going to be our family. And then and then our church and our neighbors, and then it's going to kind of radiate out from that. But that's right. It, it's not a, we don't want to say, hey, what we're praying for is that the Lord would give to Christians daily bread or that the Lord would give to my family daily bread. But we recognize that the Lord is giving daily bread to all people and that that is good. And we could recognize that, that God is good when he provides for the lives of people. Talk about how this is not just daily bread as in, it's obviously not bread alone, but it's also not food alone. And it's not just those things that sustain the body and life alone. This is pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Yeah, it is. So before it's comprehensive, it's small before it's big. And and what I mean by that is when we look at most of the petitions, there's seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer, and this one's right here in the middle. It's the first of the of the our petitions. So the first three petitions are the thy petitions, God's name, God's God's kingdom, God's will, and then the things that we need, daily bread, forgiveness, deliverance, and and leading. But we have in this one, unlike the other ones, sort of a minimizing word. So when we pray for God's name and his kingdom and his will, these are these expansive prayers. We're asking for things that would be incredibly bold to ask for. Give me, when we say to the Lord, hallowed be thy name, we're asking that we would be the children who would inherit all of his riches. When we ask him for his kingdom, I mean, what can you imagine going up to a to a king and saying, "Give me your kingdom"? But that's what we're asking for in this petition. These are very expansive petitions, and then even in the in the last three petitions, the forgiveness of sins and the and the leading not into temptation and the deliverance from evil. These also are expansive petitions. So in these petitions, the like the psalm says, Jesus is teaching us to open our our mouths wide so so he can fill it to throw out our cloak but in the fourth petition before it's expansive it's small it says give us this day our daily bread this bread for the day 
Don't give us the the bread that we need for tomorrow or next month or whatever. Don't fill up. We're not asking the Lord to fill up our bank accounts. We're not asking the Lord to provide for for the future. We're not asking for riches or even abundance. Like we are in the other petitions, we're asking for an abundance. We're just asking for a little bit, which reminds us of the manna. You know, if they would try to, if the children of Israel would try to take more than just the bread they needed for that day, the Lord would cause it to rot. Look, it's daily bread. That's what the Lord gives. But then, once we understand that this is the humblest of the petitions, we recognize, we want to recognize with spiritual eyes everything that it takes to have a little piece of bread. I mean, we could just, if you just put a piece of bread there, and you can have this thought experiment and say, well, what's in there? And well, there's some flour in there, probably for most bread. Well, where'd that come from? Well, that came from the, from the flour store. Where'd that come from? From the miller. And where'd that come from? From the, from the farm. And so it, it, it and how did it get from one place to another? Well, you have truckers who are driving it and you have people who are providing it and you have all these things that are happening. So, and, and how did the, how did the grain grow? Well, the, it had good weather and it, it was, the farmer was protected and there was policemen making sure that the truck didn't crash and there was roads to get from one place to another. This, just to get that wheat there, there was so much that went into it. And then there's probably an egg there and that came from the grocery store and everything that involves in the grocery store, including like the power to to keep the eggs refrigerated and the clerk that's there who's wearing a rubber shoes so he doesn't slip that came from the the rubber tree in the Amazon. And then you had the farmer who has the chickens and the coop and everything that's behind it. And then there's probably some water in that bread, which came from some lake somewhere that's being protected from from someone coming in and, and poisoning it. And it goes to the factory, which cleanses it, and it goes to these pipes. And who put those pipes there? And where'd the metal from the pipes come from? And how did it get from here to there? And who who looks over all of this stuff? And how does it all just not go to smithereens? And what we start to realize is that when we pray for daily bread, we're praying for everything. I mean, we're praying for we're praying for the farmers, for the grocers, for the police, for the for the army who protects the people, for the government who oversees it all, for the people at the electric company, for the people learning how to write computer code to run the factories, for the guys that are mining the metal that's going to be made into the ovens that'll cook the stuff for us. I mean, the guys that are rolling the, the little plastic bags so the bread can go in it. This is this expansive prayer that includes just about everything you can think of in this little petition, give us to stay our daily bread. Okay, let's kind of rewind to the very first words of the petition, at least as we have them in English, and that is give us. This is not something that we are earning. These are gifts. Yeah, yeah, how about that? So that everything that we do, everything that we receive in this life is a gift. It's an amazing thing that, for example, when we are learning the catechism and and luther's teaching us the creed he gives us the you know the one two three articles and the first article has to do with the things of this body and life and at the end of it he says all of this he does out of purely fatherly divine goodness and mercy without any merit or worthiness in me and we would expect to at least i todd would expect that those words would be describing the gospel the forgiveness of sins comes without any merit or worthiness in me. The gift of justification comes without any merit or worthiness in me. My salvation comes without merit or worthiness. But it's not just my salvation, it's also my breakfast. It's not just the forgiveness of sins, it's also the blanket that I put over myself to sleep at night. 
It's, it's not just eternal life, but it's also this life that comes to us as a pure gift from God so that we are, as Christians, recognizing this, that we are always and constantly in every way and in every place on the receiving end of the Lord's mercy to us. And he didn't, we didn't deserve any of it. We, don't, we deserve daily bread as much as we deserve the death of Jesus. And yet the Lord in his mercy gives us both. You had mentioned this fatherly divine goodness of mercy, and that harkens back to how Jesus himself, when he takes up the subject of anxiety over food and clothes and things like that, he reminds his disciples, your father in heaven knows you need all these things. Talk about that. That, in fact, this is amazing to reflect on. There's a, there's a couple of things here. But one of the things that, that I've noticed is the devil uses all these tricks to try to to try to get us not to pray. And one of the tricks that he uses is that he says, well, God knows everything already, so why do you need to pray? Well, when Jesus wants to teach us to pray the Lord's Prayer, he says, God knows what you need, therefore pray. (laughs) The fact that God knows what we need is not reason not to pray, according to Jesus, but reason that we should pray and ask him for these things. So the Lord knows what we need, and he is pleased to give them to us. That's one of the great comforts of the Lord's Prayer is that when we pray these petitions of the Lord's Prayer, we have confidence because the Lord Jesus has told us to pray them, that he's going to answer them, that these are the things that we that he wants to give. We don't have to pray tentatively or, or kind of wondering if these are the right prayers. No, we know that the Lord wants to give us this daily bread. So Jesus says, look, your, your father knows these things. He, he gives us the example of the lilies of the field and of the birds of the air. The lilies neither weave or 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 how do they make their garments? How does it say it there? But, but even Solomon wasn't dressed as nice as the lilies. And the birds neither toil nor reap, and yet your heavenly Father cares for them. And how much more value are you than the birds? So he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. That's what the pagans do. <laughs> I, think, I, I love this, Todd. That the mark of the pagan is worry. The mark of the pagan mind, the pagan life, the pagan conscience, the pagan heart is that it's given over to worry. And that's because worry is the, the liturgy of the worship of the idol of mammon. When we let money, mammon, captivate our hearts, it demands worship, and that worship looks like worry all the time. And Jesus says, don't worry. I've not authorized you to worry about these things. I'm going to take care of them. I've not authorized you to, to fret about these things. I'm going to take care of you. Now, and maybe just a kind of side note, because even when I listen to myself saying that, I think, well, well, you're not supposed to worry. Does that mean you're just supposed to lay around and not do anything? But for whatever reason, we're, we're so broken that, that if I say to you, hey, don't worry, you hear, don't work. <laughs> like the two things go together. Like worry and work are the same thing. This, this is not how Jesus thinks of things. He wants us to work. He, in fact, St. Paul says, if a man doesn't work, let him not eat when he writes to the Thessalonians. But this is not how it is with us. We're supposed to work but not worry. Those two things are supposed to be disconnected in our hearts and our minds. So we work and we trust and we know that the Lord provides for us and we know that the Lord's never let any of his own people starve, that he'll give us our daily bread in the way that he sees fit. And that gives us a joy to go about this life knowing that apart from our merit, apart from our worthiness, that our Heavenly Father actually does care for us as, as he has shown himself to care for us every day of our lives up till now. 
mean, all of us have been, every single person who's listening to us now has been provided for by the Lord, and he's kept them alive to this point right now. And we see then the example of his goodness and his care in every day of our lives. And yet still we, we worry and fret completely needlessly, even against the Lord's command that we shouldn't. We're talking with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller about Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. We need to go into a little more detail next on This Day and Daily Bread, and we will. If you enjoy our hymn studies, be sure to check out the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for November, Praise and Honor, Hymn-Inspired Devotions. Praise and Honor contains a devotional for each stanza from hymns like God's Own Child, I Gladly Say It, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me, We Praise and Acknowledge You, O God, and more. Browse before you buy at issuesetc.org or call Concordia Publishing House 1-800-325-3040. Praise and Honor, Hymn-Inspired Devotions. There are nearly 20 million college students in the United States. 40% will stop going to church during college. 50% will never return. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is seeking to meet this challenge through LCMSU. Why? Because 100% of college students matter to God and to His church. College is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. LCMSU. Check us out at lcms.org slash lcmsu. Lutheran Federal Credit Union is committed to serving you and to serving the church. Lutheran FCU serves you by offering mortgage and auto loans, checking and savings accounts, credit and debit cards. Lutheran FCU serves the church through its Ministry of the Month program. October's recipient, the National Lutheran Cross Country Championship. Learn more at LutheranFCU.org. Good for you, good for the church. Lutheran Federal Credit Union. LutheranFCU.org. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. Many Lutheran pastors outside of the U.S. receive little or no seminary education. Luther Academy provides theological triage through conferences, books, and journals. Help support Luther Academy by making a tax-deductible donation at LutherAcademy.com or call 260-452-2211. Serving Lutheran pastors to the ends of the earth. Luther Academy, 260-452-2211 or LutherAcademy.com. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest. We are talking about Jesus' words in the Lord's Prayer, Give us this day our daily bread. Brian, we've talked about it a bit, but go into some more detail on two phrases, this day and daily bread. Yeah, it's a slowed down petition. So it's one of the things, so this is one of the differences between worry and thanksgiving. At least as far as as far as I can tell, and I've been I've been trying to sort this out a little bit because, I mean, I worry. I think everybody worries. It seems to me like it's getting worse. There's a almost like an epidemic of worry, and anxiety shows up in anxiety and all sorts of other stuff. And and one of the differences between worry and Thanksgiving, 
which are spiritually the opposites of one another, which is why the Lord says, for example, be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God and the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you got these two things working against each other, worry and thanksgiving. And one of the ways that they're different is that worry is always thinking about tomorrow. Worry is always directed towards the future. Worry is always has its eyes set on the things that are not done. Whereas thanksgiving can only take place today. <laughs> it can only take place now. It's in, thanksgiving lives in the present and maybe even a bit in the past. Thanksgiving, rather than, than seeing all the things that are undone, Thanksgiving recognizes the things that are, that are accomplished, that are present. So you can't give thanks for something that hasn't happened. You only can give thanks for something that has. So when we're giving thanks to the Lord because he's good and his mercy endures forever, we're recognizing that right now, right in the now, I have all that I need, that the Lord has, is sustaining me and taking care of me. Now, the devil wants us to, to lift up our eyes to the future, to kind of try to peek around the corner. And when we peek around the corner, there's a million things to worry about. I mean, there's a million bad things that could happen this afternoon. There's a trillion bad things that could happen tomorrow. And when I start to think about the future, all those things can kind of creep in. But if I look at what the Lord has given, if I look at how the Lord has provided right now, then I'm able to give thanks for, for him. And I think there's something in there, in this petition, that the Lord is putting our attention on the present. He says, when it comes to bread, worry about today, today's bread, daily bread, and know that I'll provide for you and I'll take care of you just as I always have. I'll do that. But don't let your attention stretch out into the worrisome future. Let, just be joyful for what the Lord has given today. This was a really big deal in the Old Testament, especially during that brief period where, under God's judgment, the children of Israel are left to kind of wander in the wilderness. They're not lost. They're, they're just waiting. And during this time, God is providing for them literally daily bread. And at the end of that time, he takes pains to point out the fact that he sustained them this way all throughout the previous generation. He didn't even let their shoes wear out or their garments get old. It's an amazing thing. So this is this 40 years in the wilderness is like a 40 year funeral march because that's, I mean, that's, the Lord is waiting for all of those who were unbelieving at the beginning to die so that the next generation can go in and, and take the land. So they, so everybody who came out of Egypt died except for two at least everyone who was of military age. So this is a giant 40-year funeral march, and yet the Lord is providing for them all, all the time with this bread from heaven. If the Lord wants to, he can, you know, normally he causes the bread to come up from the ground, which is, I suppose, an equal miracle than floating down from the sky, but we don't recognize it because it's so normal. But if the Lord wants to, he can provide bread from heaven. We should learn that. It's no, it's no different now. I mean, he hasn't promised it to us, so we don't, we don't want to test the Lord. We don't want to just you know, sit around with our mouths open and wait for the Lord to put a, put a stake in it. That's not what we're commanded to do. 
but the Lord will take care of us. He can make us rich or poor in a day. He can provide for us all that we need or take everything that we trusted in away. That's one of the great dangers of the of the worry about tomorrow, this tendency to want to store up a little extra manna in the back pocket so you've got some more for tomorrow. The, the temptation is to think, well, if I store it, if I put the manna in my pocket, then I'll have it tomorrow, but it'll rot. And this happens, no, I mean, it doesn't always happen, but it happens enough that we should just be used to it, that you can, you can put your money in the bank account, but then you go to get it out and it's gone. Someone's taken it or whatever. Something's crashed. Something's broken. Someone has, has you know, this is where moths uh, eat and steal, thieves break in and steal. This is where rust cor- uh, corrodes, and, and this is how it happens to anything that we want to trust in aside from the Lord. I think that's why they put the little the little picture of an eagle on the dollar bill is to remind us that it flies away. And and so we have to be marked with a trust, not in our stuff, but in the Lord who provides the stuff, the Lord who gives the stuff to us, and, and the one who is answering this prayer for daily bread. And the Lord has promised, if you need daily bread, if you, which we do, I'll provide it for you. So that raises another kind of principle that we see at work in Christ's teaching on these things. He encourages us even to ask our father for these things. Your father knows that you need them before you ask him. So he says, ask, ask, ask. But he also contrasts our natural trust in these things with the treasure that does endure that we cannot necessarily see. What is he talking about? Yeah. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. This is an amazing thing to to think about because we are so busy storing up for ourselves treasures on earth. We think that's that's what's going to matter. Jesus says, no, no, there's a different bank, and you need to be making deposits there, the heavenly treasure, because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So Jesus is contrasting our obsession with earthly treasure with the true and eternal riches of eternal life. And that, treasure in heaven, eternal riches, the joy of treasuring up the Lord's word and his kindness and gathering around us those who also trust in the Lord and his kindness, these are investments that never, that never fail, that we, we will have them. As we send our loved ones, I mean, this is, I think, maybe the most concrete way to think about it. As we send our loved ones ahead of us to heaven, as they die and are buried in the Lord's name, then, then we have these treasures in heaven, and they never fade. They're, they're going to be there waiting for us when it's time for us to die and go to heaven as well. And when we trust in the Lord's mercy and his kindness, and we, when we study his word, when we pray for his gifts and his Holy Spirit, when we invest ourselves in, in these heavenly treasures in the name of Jesus and the wisdom that he gives to us in his word, we are investing in things that, that can't be taken from us. They take they are life, goods, fame, child, and wife. These are all takeable things. But the kingdom remains when we have the Lord Jesus and when he has us. You have written in your recent book about martyrs. Is this something the martyrs understood? Why they could face death, being not just bereft of their livelihoods, but ultimately knowing that they would be bereft of their very life? There's a way that the Christian martyrs recognized the riches that they had in Christ, and it almost made them obnoxious. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's all these accounts of the martyrs, for example, standing before the Roman proconsuls, these judges on earth, 
who have everything. You know, they have power and glory and swords and soldiers and castles and armies and riches and fame. They have it all. And they stand and are going to be judges over the Christians. And so they'll sit there and they'll say, don't you know that I have the power to judge you and throw you into the flames? And the martyrs would say, yeah, your flames will last probably 30 minutes. But the one who will judge you has flames that last forever. <laughs> and I'm his friend. I belong to him. His, you, you can take away my house. But the one who loves me has prepared a place for me in his heavenly mansions. And you cannot take that from me. <laughs> you can steal my wealth. But I have the blood of Jesus, which is worth more than all of it. And you can't touch that. So that the martyrs could stand right on the edge of death, these, these things that seem horrible to us, they stand there with a sort of confident joy about what the Lord Jesus has given to them, provided for them. And, and so they weren't afraid. They were never afraid. In fact, they were dancing oftentimes with joy, a, a true joy, not like a pretend sort of thing, like, oh, I'm, I got, I'm a Christian, so I got to pretend to be happy even though I'm about to go have my head cut off. No, they would dance to joy, like they were going to a wedding or funeral, and, and Luther calls this spiritual drunkenness because there's no way to get there apart from the Holy Spirit who tells us when we're on the edge of death, when everything, when it looks to us like everything's going to be taken away, Jesus is there with his Holy Spirit to say, you're about to come into your inheritance. You're about to come into the abundance of my kingdom. And the martyrs, the martyrs had this. I think it's one of the reasons why we need to continue to hear how these martyrs face death, because, because we face death like, like it's losing everything, whereas the, the, the Christian really faces death knowing that to close our eyes in death is to open them and see the face of Jesus and to be welcomed into his kingdom. It's not to lose anything at all. To live as Christ, to die is gain. Death comes to us as a benefit and a blessing, and that's, so, and that's what we're looking forward to because the Lord doesn't just provide for us in this life. He provides all the way to the resurrection and life eternal. We're talking with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller about the Lord's Prayer petition, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. If you're thankful for the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc., please consider making a year-end tax-deductible donation for a contribution of $300 or more, we'll send you the recordings from our 2019 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference and a CD of 15 Advent and Christmas hymns. You can make a gift by check. Make your check payable to Issues Etc. and send it to Issues Etc. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois 62234. You can also donate online at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support at the end of 2019. We will be looking at Paul's words, I have learned the secret of contentment with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller after this. Do not fear the journalists and mobs that serve the sexual revolution. For, as in Luther's time, the swine, dunces, and blockheads are again out in force. Dr. Alan Carlson speaking at the 2019 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. No doubt Satan happily sneers. Yet be not afraid. 
for the triune God and his cloud of holy witnesses, including those Christians from nearly 2,000 years ago who faced something very similar. They are there by your side. You can listen to Dr. Alan Carlson's presentation, Making the Case for the Natural Family, on a recording from this year's Making the Case conference. We'll send it to you along with a recording of 15 Advent and Christmas hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir for a year-end tax-deductible donation of $300. Find out more at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. Real Reformation Radio. You're listening to Issues Etc. What is the Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's a monthly magazine on faith and life, theology and culture that helps readers interpret the contemporary world from a Lutheran Christian perspective. Filled with expert insights, good writing, and inspiring stories, it also provides essential church information for LCMS members. What is the Lutheran Witness? Simple. It's the flagship periodical of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and it has been for more than a century. Visit cph.org witness to subscribe today. The Simply Classical curriculum for special needs moves at my child's pace and gives her exactly what she needs. So writes Amber, a homeschooling mother who has joined thousands in homes and schools, teaching from this uniquely Christian classical approach to special education. Teach students with autism, learning disabilities, or Down syndrome based on ability level rather than chronological age. Use promo code LPR20 today at classicalspecialneeds.com. classicalspecialneeds.com. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is our guest, author of the new book, of Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World. We're talking about the Lord's Prayer petition, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. Brian, our conversation up to this point has put me in mind of St. Paul's often misunderstood words, where he talks about learning the secret of contentment. What is he saying there? Yeah, there is this profound connection between faith and and thanksgiving. And I, that's probably the secret to contentment that he's talking about. It's this confidence that the Lord is with us and that his kingdom belongs to us. And so the changes of life, the ups and downs, the, the fullness and the emptiness, the, you know, the being satisfied and being hungry, the being satisfied and being thirsty, the being in health and being in sickness, all the changes that this life knows that being lonely and being surrounded by friends, the good things and the bad things of this life, that these are always changing, but there is behind it all the love of God in Christ. And this lets us be thankful. I, I think there's, a, there's so much talk, and we, I think we've talked about this before, Todd, there's so much talk in the world about gratitude, and I think even this week at Thanksgiving, we're hearing about gratitude all the time and how, you know, it's good to be grateful and and. And, I, and that's right. I mean, it's good to be grateful, but there's something more when when it comes to the to the Christian. I think, and maybe to think about it this way, gratitude looks at the goodness of the gift, but Christian thankfulness is able to look past the gift to the goodness of the giver of the gift, and that is the secret. If I'm just looking for the goodness of the gift, and you give me like a ham and olive piece of pizza, I will be grateful for it. But if you give me, you know, some sort of Brussels sprout stew, I'm going to have trouble being grateful. I'm going to look at that thing and I'm going to say, well, you know, I appreciate the effort or something like this. But 
when I know the goodness and the love of the person who's giving me these things, then I can be thankful for whatever it is that's given me. So if I want to be grateful, I can be grateful, for example, to, for friends, but how can I be grateful for loneliness? I can be grateful for a meal, but how can I be grateful for hunger? I can be grateful for provision, but how can I be grateful for poverty? But when I know that the Lord Jesus, who loves me, who died for me, who gave himself for me, who for my sake, though he was rich, became poor, that in him I might have the riches of God, when I know that Jesus is the one who's ruling and reigning all things, then I can be thankful in every single circumstance. If the Lord can give me a healthy body, I can thank him for it. The Lord can give me cancer or diabetes or some other trouble. I can be thankful for it. The Lord can give me peace and quiet or the Lord can throw me in front of the in front of the lions and I can be thankful for it in all circumstances because I know the goodness of the one who's given this to me. And that's what Paul has learned in every circumstance in life that all of this comes from it's served up from the hands that were nailed to the cross. And when I know that, then I can be thankful in every circumstance. That kind of ties back into thy will be done, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah well, exactly. I mean, we know that the Lord's will is, is done. We're praying that his good and gracious will would be done against us. We know that we don't understand all the things that the Lord is working out, and that sometimes some sort of evil coming to me is going to be a blessing for those around me or whatever. I mean, maybe we never know the purpose for it, but we know that we are in the Lord's hands. So we're not trying to wrestle this life away from the Lord and manage it ourselves. We want to do what we can. We want to be busy and active. I mean, I don't want, I don't want anyone to hear me say that we are just somehow sort of purely passive when it comes to engaging in this life. I mean, we gotta, the Lord has commanded us to get after it in love for him and our neighbor. But in, in the chief way of conceiving our own lives, we recognize that it all is coming from the Lord. And we're not trying to build our own kingdom. We're praying for his kingdom to come. We're not trying to exalt our own name. We're praying that his name would be exalted. And we're not trying to imprint our will on the world. We're praying that the Lord's will would be done. And we trust that all of those things are in fact happening. And we give thanks to God for it. Two final things for you. You were speaking earlier, and we've spoken a lot already today about thankfulness. And I completely understand what you're saying, that thankfulness is kind of lives in the moment. I, with that said, can the Christian also be thankful for things that are yet simply the stuff of promise? Yes, it, it looks, that's what, I think that's what hope is. It's like faith in the future. It's like thankfulness pressed forward. So we're thankful that the Lord Jesus will return. We're, we're thankful that the Lord Jesus will call us out of the grave on the last day. But I don't know, I, I think probably if we, if we dig into that, what we're really thankful for is that the Lord has given us the confidence of the promise. Because even though those things haven't happened, we do have the promise. And thankfulness is rooted in the promise. If you go try to be thankful for things that are not promised, then it starts to crumble. Is there a connection between this petition and the bread that is given us in the Lord's Supper, can we also include the Eucharist in this very prayer? There's a lot of people, and I think they could dig back into the church fathers, and they say that give us this day our daily bread is really a prayer for the Lord's Supper. And I think that's, I don't know, there's something kind of Gnostic that I don't, I don't really like 
about that. But to, I, I, in fact, I'd like to see the, the prayer for the Lord's Supper in the fifth petition. Forgive us our trespasses. Where do we have that? It's when the Lord Jesus puts his body in the bread and his blood in the wine with the promise poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. But it is true that the Lord Jesus in the supper is using these normal earthly things, bread and wine, to give us these heavenly spiritual gifts. And it's no accident. I mean, the Lord doesn't just sort of infuse forgiveness into the heart. He gives it to us through these external means that we eat and hear and that we feel in baptism and hear the promise. So there is bread there on in the supper. And so, so certainly it can be included, but I think only tangentially. The chief import of this petition, give us this day our daily bread, has to do with the stuff of this life. And it's important for us because it forces us to reckon with this, which I'm always reckoning with. I mean, this is a wrestling that's happening in my own conscience every single day. And that is, I'm fine to trust Jesus for life eternal. I'm fine to trust Jesus for the resurrection. But today, it's up to me. Today, I got to do it. I mean, it's, it's salvation is by grace through faith. But this life and, and making it is a matter of pure works, my own effort and my own endurance. And so this petition is forcing me to be a Christian in my daily life and to recognize that the sun didn't come up because of gravity and whatever sort of cosmic forces. The sun came up because the Lord answered the prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And I think it's important for us to, to let the chief import, the overwhelmingly chief import of the fourth petition to be this body and life and to recognize that the Lord wants to care for that too. Finally, with about a minute here, if you would, People sit down at the Thanksgiving table. They may even have a little ritual. What are you thankful for? Something like that. One of these tables, it's the pagans, the heathens. The other, it is a family of Christians. They're going to be thankful for a lot of the same things, Brian. What's the difference? Yeah. Well, God be praised that there's so much to be thankful for. I mean, we, we should just thank God for that, that everybody, everybody has something that they can be thankful for and be grateful for. But the Christian has the death of Jesus. The Christian has the atoning blood covering them. The Christian has the righteousness of Christ wrapped around them. The Christian has the empty tomb, the resurrection, and the thought that that's just the first fruits and that we're to follow. The, the, the Lord Jesus has, has wrapped our hearts and bound them up to his heavenly throne room, and, and he's tugging us towards that, that we, that we have the, the confidence that God is and that God is not mad at us because of Christ, even though he probably should be. We have so much to give thanks for, and to know that the thanksgiving that we give to the Lord now is never ending. This common refrain that comes through all through the Psalms, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. This is the everlasting, never-dying thankfulness that the Lord has put in the Christian heart so that we can recognize everything around us that the Lord has given. We can recognize it as manifestations of his fatherly goodness, and we can know that this is just the beginning. I mean, this is the feasts that we have together with our families are just the smallest, smallest foretaste of that feast which is to come where we sit and banquet at table with Christ, and, and that will be beyond what we can even ask for or imagine, and that our thanksgiving, which begins as these little mutterings here, will be expanded in the new heaven and the new earth, so that we have so much to be thankful for. Not only according to the first article of the creed, this body, 
but also according to the second and third, the death of Jesus and the life to come. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is pastor of St. Paul and Jesus Steph Lutheran Churches in Austin, Texas. He's co-host of the weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio and author of the new book, A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World. This book is a treatment of Jesus' famous parable of the sower, and it is peppered with accounts of the martyr's faith. Find out more about A Martyr's Faith in a Faithless World at our website, issuesetc.org. Click the Talk On Demand archives page. Or call Concordia Publishing House and ask for a martyr's faith, 1-800-325-3040. Brian, thanks. You got it. In hour two, we'll look forward to the first Sunday in Advent, according to the three-year lectionary with Dr. Carl Fikencher. Everything that we have, even the breath we take, the senses, the sight, everything that is surrounding us, the earth we stand on, all gifts from our Heavenly Father. He gives these gifts not because we deserve them. That's not the way of gifts. He gives them because Christ has earned them for us in His perfect life, His death, and His resurrection for us. I'm Todd Wilkin. Stick with us through the break. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.